churches and the rest of us. Let's take our Bible and go back to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, and I'm going to do something I don't do very often. It is hot. And I'm going to take my coat off. And uh, I wouldn't mind if you turned that fan up just a little bit. But uh, Matthew chapter 16, and we did spend our time, in case you're wondering, on this same verse uh, last week. And no, it's not because of Brother Franz's wedding and I didn't have enough time to prepare a sermon. I'm preaching the same one twice. Uh, uh, I believe that we, are going to, we need to look at this passage uh, in more than one direction. And uh, last week, we spent our time understanding just the simple truth of this passage. Matthew chapter 16, verse 25. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. I've met people over the years that have a testimony something like this. Well, you, you should have seen me when I was, before I was saved, I was uh, this and I was very successful and, and, and I had all of these things and I gave them up for Jesus. That's not what this verse is talking about. And uh, I've, got a, I've got a problem with anybody who would put value upon anything you could have in this world in compared to salvation that God gives. Amen. I did not give up anything to be saved. What I gave Jesus was a life that I could not live. What I gave him was my sins and my failures. What he gave me was eternal life. I was not the loser in that deal. I was the winner. I was the benefactor. Because there's nothing that compares to being saved. Amen. Yesterday in Hazard, Kentucky, we watched Brother Franz and Miss Sonia become man and wife. And what it was just a blessed time. Because, as I said in the sermon, all you had to do is talk to either Franz or Sonia... And you begin hearing about all the things that God did to take a little country girl from Kentucky and a big city boy. Well, Franz isn't that big, but a, a boy from the big city and, and put them together. I'll tell you what, I just love to see God work, don't you? It was a special time. And I'll tell you what was most special to my heart was the first time Brother Franz and Sonia held hands was when her dad took her hand and put it in his and he led her up the steps of the altar to exchange their vows. The first time they kissed each other was when her dad said, you may now kiss the bride. And uh, what that's the way it ought to be. I asked Franz afterwards, I said, wasn't it worth waiting for? And... Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You cannot improve on God. You say, but, but 
preacher, I've got to lose my life to get it. Yes, give God the broken down thing that you have called a life. And he'll give you one that works. And by the way, before we get into the sermon proper this morning, I I think I need to say this. There's an awful lot of people out there that think they have life from Christ. But let me tell you something. The life that Christ gives you always works. In Him is light. And there's no darkness at all. If you think you're serving Christ and you're running into dark problems, let me tell you, you're serving the wrong Christ. There's a lot of imitations out there, my friends. John told us to test or to prove the spirits to make sure that they're truly of God. And I'll tell you, the only way you can test anything is by using the Word of God. He says that I've come to give you joy. We got to see a little of that joy at the wedding yesterday. That was fun. Sometimes God calls us to walk through some deep waters and, and, and through some great trials of this life. But those of you that have been through the valley of the shadow of death, you know there's joy there too because He's with you. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And of course, this is July 1st. Who knows what Wednesday is? Well, two, three, July 4th. All right. How many of you are glad you live in the United States of America? Would you thank the Lord for that? I'll tell you, this is the only people group on the face of the earth that you don't have to be born here. You don't have to have a certain last name. What you have to do is want to be a part. And all the world wants to be a part. We talk about building fences on our borders. It's not to keep our people in. It's to keep people who would come here by breaking the law. I'll tell you, we live in a wonderful country. And we ought to thank the Lord for what he has given us here. And we ought to take some time and remember that what we have here is because all over the world, I don't know of a continent with the possibility of Antarctica, an inhabited continent where there isn't a cemetery that houses American dead who gave their lives to set that continent free. There's a cemetery in Africa when we went over there and fought Rommel. I think of the cemetery that overlooks the Normandy beaches And, of course, there were some great heroes there in that D-Day invasion. But you know something? I like to spend more time thinking about those rows and rows of crosses 
If we were to read their names, not a one of us would know anything about any of them. The nameless men that gave their lives so that others could walk over the sand that they fought and died for and destroy the Nazi war machine. How many of you are glad that happened? I am. I thank God for that. And we need to teach the history that goes along with that. You see, those men lost their lives so that we could be free. And honestly, on a day like this, in a church that believes and preaches the Bible as we attempt to do every time we come together, I think that we do no wrong by honoring the memory of those men 66 years ago, Normandy invasion. There were other battles. There were many, many thousands of men that winter That winter that was fought, the Battle of the Bulge, in just a few weeks, 120,000 dead on our side alone. Because somebody wasn't paying attention. I believe they bear our remembering. Amen? Because they are a great illustration of this verse. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. History is not kind to cowards. History is not kind to traitors. Nor should it be. Yet, why does someone turn their back and run in the face of the enemy? Why will some even dare to go across enemy lines and, and begin to co, uh, contact them and, and conceive a plan that would aid the enemy in the destruction of their own people? Can I challenge those of you that have come out of the Iron Curtain of Communism? that your country would have remained free except for the traitors of your own people that betrayed you to the communist. It's a terrible story, is it not? And yet, we look at those lives and are they not an illustration? Those that sought to save their life by cohorting and cooperating with the enemy. Today we list them on the list of infamy. We list them and we, uh, we degradate their names and their history and what they gave their lives for. And yet on the other hand, 
We do not even have a roll of the names of the dead that are there. I don't have access to that. I'm sure you could find it somewhere on the internet or something like that. But in my mind, I walk down the aisles looking at those crosses. And I just say thank you that they were willing to die for us. Yet, if we don't live, we desecrate their sacred honor, do we not? You see, most countries ask allegiance based on your heritage, based upon your family, based upon a loyalty that they ask from you. This country asks your allegiance, one nation under God. Where do the principles of liberty and justice that our nation has been built on come from? I'll tell you, it's not because George Washington and all the rest of the founding fathers of this nation were such wise men that they could conceive a government that was so free and, and has given us all the things that we have today. No. By and far, the leaders among them were people who understood, even those that rejected the God of the Bible, they understood that liberty and justice cannot come from man. It must come from something bigger than mankind. Because the only thing mankind has ever produced is tyranny against his own. Only God gives us the ability to be free. Could we say amen to that? You see, I, I wish we had time this morning to pursue this thought completely, but I don't want to miss what this verse is talking about. Our founding fathers called this the pursuit of happiness. And by that, they did not mean that I get to do what makes me happy and forget about you. I mean, what we have today is it makes me happy to play my music so loud that you can't hear yourself think in your house. That's not the pursuit of happiness. That is the pursuit of deafness. Help yourself. Just don't do it around me, I hope and pray. The pursuit of happiness in their hearts and in their minds, was this idea that I would have the freedom to expend my life energy for the benefit of my entire people. You see, where they came from in Europe, you could expend your life's energy and not even get enough food to feed your own family. Because the secret police would come and take it from you. Our pilgrim forefathers, the only thing they wanted was the ability to worship God as they saw fit. They had an opportunity to come here. How many of you know that the pilgrims experimented with socialism during their first year? 
And that's why so many of them died. They turned over that old, worn-out page of history based on the goodness of mankind and opened up the Bible and said, if a man doesn't work, he ought not eat. And they survived. And they prospered. You see, this verse is a verse for us today in practical living. Whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Could I just propose as a part of understanding this verse, we must grasp the concept that in order for you to have this life that is found, the good life that Jesus talks about here, the found life, there must be something in your life, in your existence, that is greater than life itself. Are we still together? Hello? In order for you to have this life, this found life, there must be something in your life that is greater than just existing. I try to train my children. Listen, there are some things that it is more honorable to die for than to live with. We live in a world where we are told to take the path of least resistance. I would rather die fighting than live as a slave. How about you? We found that out the hard way on 9-11, did we not? They took the easy way out. They were told, don't resist hijackers. I'm glad a few of them did. How about you? That's what we celebrate today, this week. But let me tell you, that principle doesn't come from the heart of man. It comes from the heart of God. And he'll put it in the heart of man. And he'll give mankind something worth living for. If all you're trying to do is exist, let me challenge you. You are, of all men, most miserable. Just trying to pay your bills. Just trying to get on. We, we expend our life's energy for that which won't make a difference when we stand before Christ. That's why when you go down there, he says, what does it profit a man if he gained the whole world? Lose his own soul. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? How many people have sold their souls for a little bit of money? And by the way, a million dollars is a little bit of money today. Just ask the Secretary of Treasury. They don't spend million-dollar bills anymore. They spend trillion-dollar bills. 
You couldn't imagine, I can't imagine a trillion dollars. What would you do with it? You couldn't haul it around in a fleet of semis, let alone try to spend it. Though occasionally we do have one, someone show up with Walmart with a million dollar bill and try to cash it. Uh, quick trip to the police house. Don't try that at home, all right? Existence is no reason for living. There's got to be something bigger than life. That something bigger is God. Life must have a purpose. That purpose is Christ. That purpose is obedience. That purpose is to honor Him who gave His life for the forgiveness of our sins. It is interesting how easily and how often we will honor men and obey the commands of wicked, sinful men and disobey Jesus Christ and ignore Him who left heaven's glory and died on a cross to pay the price for our sins. I want to ask you a question this morning. What means more to you than life itself? This is a day when we need to stop and think about these things and ask that question. I want you to understand something. Not every one of those men who are lie buried in those cemeteries around the world, if we could bring them back and ask their testimony, would say, I was proud to serve and give my life for the cause of freedom. Not every one of them would say that. Because many of them had no idea what was going on around them. And yet, they lived and they died as part of the overall scheme of victory. How many of you are familiar with the story of the Battle of the Bulge? They sent that division up there because they had seen some of the hardest fighting from the shores of Normandy into central France and through the, the uh, uh, um, what are they, liberation of Paris. And they said, we're going to take this division and we're going to put them in a place where they can rest a few weeks. And before they had a chance to even get dug in properly... Hitler's Panzer's divisions rolled right over top of them. It was a terrifying days. No one knew what was going to happen. What means more to you than living? You see, God designed the human soul to need something bigger than itself. That's why the world has come up with Hollywood. Because it's bigger than life. You can watch some guy in a spandex costume swing from buildings and clouds and think everything is just wonderful. Spider-Man's going to save the day. 
And if you believe that, please sign up for counseling. We do offer help to those who desperately need it. Amen. The world offers escapes from reality. Jesus offers reality from escapes. Amen. He gives us something real that when we are actually standing face to face with death, as the many of hundreds of thousands of martyrs for the cause of Christ down through the ages have stood and said, there is something worth living for. But I'll die rather than surrender it. I'll tell you what, that's a life worth living. How about you? Most of us never get there because we're too busy trying to figure out how we can get along with the world instead of how we can serve Christ. Someone told me once, your preaching makes me uncomfortable. And I said, thank you very much. That's a great compliment. Because if you're on the way to hell, I want to make you uncomfortable. I want to make you miserable enough that you'll stop the direction you're heading in and turn around and embrace Christ. Amen? If you're living in the slop and degradation of this world and taking my Savior's name and dragging it through the mud by the wrong decisions you make, I want you to be uncomfortable. I want you to turn around and come back to the Savior and seek His forgiveness. And stand up and be counted as one of the redeemed. Amen? Amen. You see, whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. First of all, to understand that verse, you have to understand that you must have something bigger in your life than life itself. There's got to be more to existing than just trying to exist. There's got to be a purpose bigger than you are as any individual. And people have had many causes, but let me tell you, there's only one worth dying for, and that is Jesus Christ. But I want you to understand that just having that thing is not good enough. Just understanding that there is something out there bigger than you are. Something out there that is greater than your life. That's just step one in this process of losing your life to find the life that God has for you. Step number two is you've got to exercise yourself in that purpose. You've got to do something. We live in a world where we believe if we talk about it, it's going to be better. Now, I don't believe in child abuse. I despise child abuse. But sitting a two-year-old down and saying, Now, little Johnny, you've got to understand you can't play with the stove. You've got to understand that if you turn on the gas, we're all going to die. Please don't turn on the gas, little Johnny. I'm sorry. 
That's not what the Bible says. The Bible has a program, and if you don't understand it, again, sign up for counseling. We'll put you with the people that believe in Spider-Man. Amen? It's that simple. I had somebody tell me one time, says, I hate my parents. They discipline me. And I wanted to tell them, but I couldn't. Didn't look like they did enough. Because if you get good biblical discipline, when you get my age, you go, thank you. I think I got a phone call one time from somebody. Said, thank you, Dad, for being so mean. I understand a few more things now. I'll tell you what, that was a wonderful day. we got to understand that God did not save you to think and to talk about His goodness. He saved you to do some things. He saved you to live a life according to His Word. That's one of the things I praise the Lord about Franz and Sonia's wedding and another one we got coming up. You know, people think this thing about wedding, well, we better try out the wedding before we see if we can like each other. Maybe we ought to live with each other a few months to make sure it's going to work. Let me tell you something. That is the number one recipe for the destruction of a marriage. You keep yourself pure until the day you get married. Somebody said one time, said, but, but what, what if she isn't a good kisser? I said, well, I said, you got to look at it this way. If you're ignorant and you haven't kissed every girl in the county and she's ignorant and she hasn't tried out every guy around, what you have will be wonderful and you'll be too dumb to know the difference. And that's a time when ignorance is bliss. Amen. You know, the world always promises you something. I could call people up today and ask you to give testimonies that you went out there and sought for that something. It wasn't what they said it was, now was it? It wasn't near as good as they said it could be because you can't get anything near as good as what the Bible already is. Amen? you got to exercise yourself. Do you think it was easy for Brother Franz and Sonia to keep their hands off each other for all the months that they dated and the times... No, it wasn't. They had to work at it. Same thing with Peter and Ashley. We make sure we send somebody along. I send a little sister. I know they're going to rat on him. But let me tell you something. My father-in-law did the same thing to me before he became my father-in-law. I mean, I was a poor guy in the ministry out of Bible college, but if I wanted to take my wife out for a hamburger, I had to take one of her sisters out and pay for both of them. We didn't date much. But let me tell you something. When she walked down that aisle and her father put her hand in mine, I still get choked up. That was almost 25 years ago. Almost 24, actually. 
You know why? Because when you lose your life and exercise your, thing, your life in the obedience to God's Word, that's where real living is. I wouldn't trade the 20 years of being pastor of this one small church for anything the world has to offer. Because you know what? I get up and I know that if tomorrow is hanging sheetrock and fixing pipes and doing mundane, horrible things that I don't want to do, it still has a purpose in service to my Lord. And it's worth expending my life to be obedient to Jesus Christ. How about trying some of that this week? Amen? You see, you've got to, the third point here is you've got to find your self-worth, your value in obedience to Christ, not in the things that the world offers. I'm not here to compare myself with the doctors and the businessmen on Wall Street. Oh, yeah, they got lots of money. But they got lots of bills. Sometimes they got to look over their back and over their shoulder. Sometimes they get 160-year jail sentences. Why? Because they gave their lives for that deceitful thing called money. Did Bernie Madoff really made off with it? Ah. Uh-uh. Oh, of course, for years, and maybe he still has all that money stuffed away somewhere. But I'll tell you what, I'd rather live on beans than spend one dollar of stolen money. Because it does something to you. Sin always exacts a far greater price than anything you get. And if you have any questions about that, you should have been here for Sunday school. David illustrated that. My life has meaning not because someone recognizes me, My life has meaning because I was obedient to God today. Could we grab a hold of that and stop stop trying to compete with the world? We have churches that have actually gone to Broadway-type entertainment in order to draw people into the church. I said, that's easy for you to do, preacher. You're in Kansas. You've got to get on a plane or a train and come to New York City. Broadway is seven or eight stops on the subway station. Uh, they'll be able to tell the difference. We'll never do here what they do there. You know why? Those people over there are really serious about what they do. I wonder how serious we are about what we do for Christ sometimes. You know, every one of those big rock and rollers has PhDs in music. 
They know their music. You've got to study hard to pervert something that badly. You really do. How many of us have studied hard that we could just simply obey what the Bible says? You see, you want to lose your life? Find something bigger than your life. I suggest Jesus Christ. Paul said, for me, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But you've got to exercise yourself. Mark chapter 9, Jesus said, if you give a cup of cold water to someone in Jesus' name, you'll not lose your reward. It doesn't take great effort to pass out a gospel track. It doesn't take hundreds of thousands of dollars if everybody did a little. Every year we get astounded as a church on what we do for missions. You know why? Because everybody does a little bit. That's the way it ought to be. By the way, Brother Newberger was there at the wedding. Got to see him. See the little baby who's not so little anymore. He, growing up, they'll be with us, I believe, sometime this fall, at least for just a visit. But when is the last time you did something that actually put the gospel message into the hands of somebody who doesn't have it? That's an exercise the Bible demands you to do if you're saved. My life has meaning because I serve Christ. There is no more important thing in my life The reason I work as I do is so I can be obedient to Christ. When is the last time you looked at that awful, stupid boss that you have and said, the only reason I'm here is so I can pay my bills, so I can be free of the other time to serve Christ? Change your attitude. Change your understanding of life. I eat so I can feel good inside. No. I ought to eat so I can serve Christ. Amen? I ought to rest so I can serve Christ. I'm one of those guys, if I could get away without sleep, I wouldn't sleep. I tried that in Bible college. Doesn't work. God designed you to sleep sometime. And you got to regulate that. And you got to work at it. Why? So you can be free to serve Christ. I raised my family. Why? So I can serve Christ. Everything in my life is about serving Christ. And people say, well, that's good for you. You're a preacher. I, I want you to understand something. That's what Jesus is talking about for everyone who will call upon his name. He has given us all different things that we must do. But that bigger reason for what we do and why we do what we do. So we can serve Christ. We have someone getting baptized today. You know why they're getting baptized? 
so they can serve Christ. We have another person said they wanted to join the church today. Why they become a member of Open Door Bible Baptist Church? Because the Bible says we're to serve him through the local church. Amen? Those are exercises. But becoming a member of this church is responsibility. We, we expect things from our members, do we not? Because the Bible says so. Only got one on that one. Okay, I got a couple more. I'm not just looking for amens. What we need is people who will live these things. Because that's where the life is that is found. That's where the good life is. That's where the life without regrets. Will there be suffering in serving Christ? The Bible says expect it. Expect tribulation. But expect God's power to overcome it. I am not one just looking for a difficult situation. I I don't need necessarily any more challenges than the ones God gives me. But I certainly want to pass the tests that are in front of me. And that doesn't always happen. But you see, that's why there's this thing called forgiveness. Now let me ask you, what's more important to you than life itself? Second question, what have you done this past week that has exercised your life in obedience to that bigger purpose? And when is the last time you stopped and examined yourself and said, I'm worth something to God because He let me be obedient to His Word. You see, it's God that does it all. You do nothing. It's your obedience that opens the door for God to do His work. If you want to worship God, He wants your obedience. That's how simple it is. How many people have given their lives over the years just so they could be baptized, like we're going to baptize somebody today? How many people have sacrificed their livelihood and their reputation so that they could attend a church and just be obedient to the Word of God? We take it so lightly. But Jesus said, if you're going to save your life, you're going to lose it. If you'll lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. Are you a loser or are you a finder? Have you given up on your life so that you can have Christ? If you have, you can understand the joy that is there. If you haven't, you can start today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this day. And Lord, we just ask that you would bring home this verse to us.
that you would just implant it into the depths of our soul, that the words would ring in our heart and our mind as we get up and prepare for the coming day. Am I going to save my life today or am I going to lose my life for Christ's sake? Is the reason I'm doing what I'm doing because of obedience to Christ? Or is it some vain attempt to take care of myself? Lord, we ask that the Holy Spirit would give us eyes that can see, hearts that can understand, that we can look at what is going on and what we're dealing with in this life. And live that found life that you have for us. Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit would have freedom to convict us of sin in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.